0: Hey, it's Heather and Sabina, back with another episode. And our topic for today is factors impacting a fast start. Now, we know there are a ton of factors that we could uh, discuss here, but our commitment is to keep these conversations short and sweet and under 30 minutes. So we have picked a few that we believe are worth discussing today, and those are the following. Number one, a recruiting cutoff and consistent flip to full-time. We'll talk a little bit about what both of those mean. Number two, FRs being 25 and 11 ahead at graduation from training. Number three, starting around or during the holidays. So when reps start around the holidays, and then last but not least, investment licensing. So excited to talk about those four things. And here to add some color and some value to our conversation are our two guests, Rachel Nutter and Christopher Schaefer. Hello to you both and welcome. Hello. I'll go ahead and introduce Rachel and then Sabina. You can introduce Christopher and then we'll dive into our conversation. Does that sound okay? Perfect. All right. Let's do it. So Rachel Nutter started with Northwestern Mutual in 2018 as a recruiter, and not just a recruiter, but literally the recruiter of the year, her first year, which is really very cool. Um, She then transitioned into a development officer role, which was her first exposure to coaching and developing advisors, and also when Rachel and I got to start working together and when we met, which I feel so fortunate for. Since then, Rachel has been a trailblazer in her network, becoming one of the first to take really a non-traditional path to the GDD role. Since then, Rachel leads a recruiting team and has the highest producing unit in her agency among all the GDDs. She is on track to take the DD role in January 2024. Aside from work, she is married to her awesome husband, Michael, and she has a beautiful, like, The prettiest, cutest little thing I've ever seen, daughter, Ricky Ray. So, welcome, Rachel. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this.
1: Good. So, are we? Yes. So, I will now introduce Christopher Schaefer, who is going to talk about this from a financial advisor perspective. Um, Christopher's a financial advisor in Lynchburg, Virginia, who started on October 25th, 2021. So, he's just about to finish his second full year in the business. He was a career changer. Um, who was previously a professional chef, and he's also fully seminary trained. On top of everything else, Christopher and his wife, Hannah, became parents a month into his first year in the business. Um, And they're a week away from welcoming their second uh, child, a son already named Gideon. Now Christopher got off to a fast start in the career. He attained both P40 and P60. His first full year, he paid for 82 new clients, 120 lives and just over 100,000 a premium. This calendar year, he has already paid for 74 new clients, 135 lives, and over 171,000 of premium, and has 1.6 million in assets under management, and that's with a quarter to go, and that's in his second, just finishing his second full year. So he has already identified some specific markets that he likes working in. One being commercial aviation. He is passionate about providing multi-generational planning for the families and businesses that he works with. And he's working on hiring the third member for his team. That's right. Third in early next year. So welcome, Christopher.
0: Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. So Sabina, this is my first time meeting Christopher as well. And I'm so intrigued and I love your introduction. You sound like the coolest guy. And I have (laughs) to tell everybody that's listening because they can't see. Obviously, we can see each other, but we're only recording audio. Chris has not stopped moving. And I'm picking on you, but I'm also like noticing like this guy is a ball of freaking energy. Like he he's just (laughs) going back and forth. And (laughs) I'm like, wow, a guy with this amount of energy, you are clearly putting that energy to good
1: use. I love it. And I'm I'm so glad you're here. So, yeah. And we meet, we coach together monthly, and he's exactly the same. He's always pacing the office. He says, in fact, you have a stand up desk, don't you?
2: It's a standing desk. My, my wife says, I have a teetering problem. I teeter back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried to sit for maybe two days when I started. Oh, I have an office job. I should sit down. Yeah, no way. Yeah. Yeah, so I can TVs tell. are mounted on the wall. I have to stand. So yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. It's a good energy and it's clearly working very well for you. All right. Well, let's dive in with our first topic, which is recruiting cutoffs and consistent flip to full time. We want to talk about how those things can help reps get off to a fast start. And I want to take a minute just to explain what those things are in case we have newer activity coaches or newer people into leadership that might not know what that means. So when we say a recruiting cutoff, what we're referring to is a set date in which you will not offer contracts anymore Up to the next training class. So, for example, some offices will have a four week cutoff, meaning we're not going to offer any contracts any later than four weeks prior to the sales school or six weeks. And then a consistent flip to full time means that after sales school, at a certain date, it might be the Monday after sales school, it might be a week after, whatever date the office decides, they flip all of those people in that class to full time contracts on the same date. So, that's a little bit of background on those things. And what we want to talk about is how utilizing those strategies or those approaches can help them get off to a fast start. So I have a lot of thoughts on this because this is something that we measured quite some time ago in the early productivity experiments. But would love to hear from from both of you. Rachel, we'll start with you. What do you see as the pros and cons to having a recruiting cutoff and a consistent flip to full-time? And when we talk pros and cons, what are the pros and cons to specifically getting the FR off to a fast start?
3: Yeah, so I have, I have lots of thoughts on this pros and cons because... I think the overarching theme is that it provide like having a cutoff and having a consistent flip to full time provides a lot of clarity not only for the new rep but also for those coaching and just setting expectations across the office. So I think. Overall, it provides a lot of clarity for everybody, which is a good thing. Clarity is kind. However, we used to not have a recruiting cutoff, or we did, but it was very loose. So we've really, over the last probably year and a half, cracked down more on it, and I think it's been a very positive thing for our office. So I would say a pro of having a recruiting cutoff is it keeps everybody accountable of what needs to get completed before... Uh, we use NTP, so sales school, financial planning academy, whatever you want to call it. Um, there is so much, as we all know, that a new rep has to do prior to even sitting in training, whether or not investment license added in. And I know we'll probably talk about that later, but even just the bare minimum of getting a part time contract on. So that's definitely um it's a pro that we have a recruiting cutoff because then we know that the rep that's sitting in training, bare minimum, will be at least have what they need to get started. A con can be, it's it can be hard because, you, you know, as an agency, we have numbers that we have to hit with bringing in recruits. And sometimes different cutoffs don't work for the candidates. And we have lost some candidates because of that. We could argue they probably weren't the right fit anyways, so it can always go back and forth. But I think Overall, it provides a lot of clarity for the recruiter, the leader, the coaches, but then also the new rep because we're setting expectations of what has to be completed prior to to beginning, at least for the recruiting cutoff side.
0: One of the things that's interesting is oftentimes I think leaders believe they're doing the right thing for the candidate by saying, "Well, they're in a hurry and they need the benefits, and you know they're they're out of work right now, and we want to get them started as fast as we can." So, ah, we'll we'll just cram all of the stuff they need to do, DYM and the base, you know, all of the stuff that needs to get done before training. We'll just we'll get it done in, in two to three weeks, but it's really not fair to the candidate in regards to having them be as prepared as they possibly can um, and having a fair start at this. So I, I think just hitting pause and saying, you know, what is the bare minimum amount of time? And when we shortcut that process, who is it really helping and who is it hurting?
1: And I can, given my long history with Northwestern back in the day, we tried to have a recruiting cutoff, but then somebody would meet somebody and they'd be so amazing. And we got to jam them in this training (laughs) class. A hundred percent of the time, those people did not stick. Right. So because we rush them through, it's a logistically and just emotionally, intellectually, it's a, it's a complicated process. There's a lot to do. So you have to have the right amount of time.
0: Yeah, it's a lot to prepare for. And they're starting a business, right? I mean, when do you know somebody that says, I'm going to start a business and they start it in a week or two or two weeks? It's like not really that feasible.
3: I just had a candidate actually probably two weeks ago now. He was so dead set and wanting to be in our November training class because he was so excited and ready. But it, I, I did the reverse selling and actually just Told him like I don't think that's best for you. If you want to do that, this is what all has to get done. And I laid out all the options, but I was pushing more towards delaying it till our December class, and um, that's what he ended up choosing. So I, I three years ago, I probably wouldn't have done that, but I feel like now that I've experienced more of the coaching side of it and seeing how hard it is for anybody to start any kind of business, I think that that's the right thing to do.
2: Yeah, I think the last thing I'd add to that is I think about the perception of their community that they're going to be using to start their own firm. And if they're starting a a new business and they're a career changer, and it's this rushed, squirrely thing, probably doesn't bode well for them trying to help their war market, if you will. So, Hey, I'm doing training and licensing and kind of tying the bow on my last career and getting prepped to start this new thing. I think that bodes well for their kind of immediate community's perspective on what they're entering into, which that's huge because we, you know, in general, you're starting with your immediate community. So that's why I'm a big fan of kind of recruiting cutoffs and the consistency that it offers, if that makes sense.
0: Let's transition and talk a little bit about consistent flip to full time. This one, we, I could spend hours on this one. There's so many benefits, I believe, to this. And I get that there are benefits also to potentially flipping them on, you know, to full time when it works specifically for the candidate. But I want to hear from Rachel, your perspective. Cause I know in your office, we recently, like within the last year or so, went from having where everybody had their own date based on once they were ready to submit business. And then we decided to turn everybody on on the same date. So tell us about that process, the decision-making, the pros and cons.
3: So I love that we did this. First of all, I I understand in the past of why it was very individualized for each candidate. It was when they submitted business unless someone needed to turn on for benefits and all of that. I love this change. I mean, it might have, we might see a dip dip in some of our retention levels. I'd be curious to see how that goes over the next like year, just to see what the long-term results are. However, from a coaching perspective and from camaraderie community, I think those in training class together, it just has immensely helped for, they're all running towards the same goal at the same time. Coaching—we're all coaching to the same dates and deadlines, and when they need to submit business for you know, we client builder ten or P forty or all of those. So I think from a consistency and just messaging to the, across the entire agency, I think it's a huge pro, and it creates excitement too. You know, we we get to celebrate all on the same day when their contracts go on, and then they're all running towards the same thing. So, but those are my initial thoughts.
0: So previously, oftentimes offices would turn or still do turn on contracts when they're ready to submit business with the intent that it is saving tap time, right? Like we're saving tap time. We're going to wait right until, and P40 time, right? Like let's let's start the clock when they first have something to turn on. But what offices found was that it actually decreases a sense of urgency for them to get going. You know, like the clock is ticking right out of the gate. So why not, why not you know, flip that contract on and get them going versus like, oh yeah, well, it'll turn on when I have some businesses. So two weeks goes by and yeah, I, I do Think it is in the best interest just to get get things going and do it consistently and like you said build that camaraderie with each other all running towards the same date. Chris, I don't even know if you know if you flip. I mean, do you know? Did you turn on all at the same time or do you have thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I I don't. I was flipped to full time at the end of what was our sales school. It's now NTP. You kind of hit twenty five and eleven, and the Friday the week prior to you know kind of letting us out and doing our thing. They flipped to full time, so I don't know if that's a Virginia thing, but that was my experience. Was kind of the Friday right before I'd done some initial facts and initial things, but twenty five and eleven was Monday. Friday, it flipped full time.
1: And I think it's a chicken and egg scenario, right? Like if you have a deadline that you you know you know you're going to flip to full time, you will. To Rachel's point, there'll be there's a little more urgency to get out and create your you know first piece of business, which sometimes would be yourself, right? I mean you yeah. you know so, and I think. I've worked with training classes that all came out together and we meet together. We, you know, we would do an ongoing training together. I mean, it's their cohort, you know, it's their group who, I mean, if you talk to people who've been 30 years in the business, they still remember who they went through training class with.
0: Yep. Let's be honest. There are, Training classes are getting bigger and bigger. Offices are recruiting 50, 60 candidates a year. Imagine having 50 or 60 different contract dates to have to, I mean, we're everybody's busy. So from an efficiency standpoint, just to be able to say, okay, this class's P40 date is this, their client builder 10 or 25 or their new client bonus date is this. It just creates some major efficiencies, which is also helpful, not just for the candidate, but for tracking purposes for the office and for leadership. So, you both mentioned, and Christopher, you did for sure the 2511 ahead, which is, you know, a huge proponent, I believe, of getting off to a fast start. I've worked with offices who have that as a requirement to graduate from training, or they have a a dollar amount, a bonus, or something of the sort associated with it. So, you get an extra thousand dollars at graduation if you're 2511 ahead. I believe so strongly in that that I, if, you know, I, it were my money. I would be incentivizing that. Rachel, in your office, I've worked with Kylie, your activity coach, for quite some time and. When we instituted the 25-11 ahead, I remember talking to her after the first couple classes and her saying, oh my gosh, it's so much easier to coach them right out of sales school when they're already ahead. Because I think what people forget is the Granum benchmark and granum ratios and activity all work together and they're based on the fact that you have a full calendar. So, you know, setting five a day, two or three new, only that's a maintenance plan if you're already 25 ahead. If you're not 25 ahead, setting two new a day is only going to keep you where you're at. So they, if they come out of you know training with anything less than that, they're already behind the game in terms of having to play catch-up.
1: And emotionally, it's terrifying for them because I have long said the worst case scenario is somebody coming out of training at the height of their enthusiasm for the career with nowhere to go and no one to see. So then they have lots of time to sit at their desk with their head in their hands and go, oh my gosh, what have I done with my life? A full calendar drives everything, because whether you feel like it or not, you have to go to the next thing. Christopher, how far ahead were you when you came out of training? I think I was 26 and 11
2: because there was $1,000 on the line. And I was going (laughs) to, to your point, Heather, I was going to get that money. And I I did. I think it's so important because it is a cycle. so starting kind of with a full tank of gas, right? Yeah. like why would you why would you start an engine for the first time and have the bare minimum fuel in it? like that's goofy. I think the bigger point is long term if the person makes it in the career. it's just training you how to always run your practice. you know my my MD and mentor I, he'll even look at someone kind of no matter where they are in their first five years and if they've gotten off the cycle his advice is Heather, cancel every appointment you have this week, push it to next. Spend the whole week dialing, get back to twenty-five and eleven, mm-hmm. and then you can get this thing going again. But if you're in purgatory of eight to ten meetings, you're never going to catch up. And so I, I've seen him do that. I thank God I never was the one he was prescribing that information to uh, and advice to. But I think it's true. If that cycle is going, uh, it's perpetual. If it's not there, it's it's a lot harder.
0: Christopher, I'm stealing your analogy. When do you ever go on a long trip and start with a quarter a tank of gas or half a tank of gas? Never. Like the car is clean, it's got a full. T- take a gas. You're ready to go. I love it. That was awesome. Rachel, what are some of the things that your office is doing to help ensure that new advisors are 25-11 ahead out of training? So
3: our training specialist that works alongside locally with NTP. So we have, we use NTP, but then we have someone that helps facilitate it and keep everybody on track. She sends daily emails to the, the new reps in training, but also to the leaders, to the mentors, those that are going to be working with those in training. And we are constantly daily tracking where they're at, how many ahead they are, how many they have to book per day in order to keep on track if they're not on track or to get back on track And so daily check-ins with those that are in training from the mentor, the leader, I think that's crucial. At least that's what I've been doing with those that I'm coaching. Those are probably the, the big things. We have daily phoning and training, which I think a lot of people do across the system. I think that's an expectation, but we always say it's Better to be overwhelmed with a full calendar than to yes. be overwhelmed with an empty calendar. So, exactly. just the the accountability of checking in and, and messaging that like this is the expectation. Everybody in our unit hits twenty five eleven. So, don't be the one. I don't want to use a scare tactic, but don't be the one that well. kind of breaks that streak for us. And nobody ever wants to be that one. So, I think right.
1: that's what might be helping. When I always tell people it's you want a calendar where you're hoping people will cancel because there's no way that you will be able to see them all rather mm-hmm. than a calendar where you're hoping everyone will keep because, you know, they're not going to. Right. Yeah. If you come in 10, 12, 15 ahead, you like, you, there's no margin for error. You come in 25 or more ahead. You're like, I cannot possibly. In fact, people will tell you that right after like, I can't possibly see all these people. Like, don't worry, you're not going to point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) exactly.
2: And I would zoom out to new advisors and I just tell them all this when I do, you know, kind of expert insights during their NTP training. I just say, look, this is ultimately a job of doing, not of knowing. You have to know a lot of things and continue to learn. And I know a lot. I'm a smart guy, but it's a job of doing. And so. You know, we use this analogy of of water skiing. And when you learn to water ski for the first time, they throw you in the water. You put these paddles on your feet. You feel like an idiot. They tighten the the rope and say, are you ready? And uh, <laughs> yeah. And they put the power on, hit the accelerator. Y- you don't come up, you eat it. And they loop back around. And no one on the boat you goes, hey, Sabina. It. Yeah, no one on the boat says, Sabina, don't you love to water ski? You haven't water skied yet. Right? No. What do they do? They circle back around. They say, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And then they tighten the rope back again. They put the gas on. You get up a little further. That takes five or six times. And every time you okay, you want to, you want to keep going. Well, once you get up and you can hold the rope for 30 seconds and see the waves and enjoy it and learn to, to steer and go over wake, then we ask you, do you actually enjoy water skiing? Well, that's this, that's this business. A rep two weeks in does not know what it's like to be a financial advisor. They haven't done the work to, to actually experience it yet. So I don't ask people two weeks in, do you like being an advisor? I just go, are you okay? Because <laughs> you haven't even done it yet to know if you like water skiing, if you will. Um, and so that 25 and 11, that activity and that job of doing, not of knowing is really important to actually build a firm and, and not be an employee, if you will. So that's an analogy we use all the time that I think really hits home to us that know kind of the back end of it. So.
0: Christopher, you are so you many in leadership? Nuggets of wisdom. He I does. Love it. <laughs> I was just going to ask him if he's in leadership yet. Are you in leadership yet?
2: So I'm a green GDD. So I'm probably four <laughs> months in. So Rachel's going to have some emails for me asking some advice. Uh, <laughs> sounds yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I know who I need to emulate. So yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it sounds like you're leading already. That's why I asked. I think you're going to do an amazing job. I'm excited for you. Thank you. So, all right, Sabina, I'm going to toss it to you to talk a little bit about getting started in the holidays.
1: Yes, that's that's a big, it's a big deal because not everybody who starts, like I'd say you started in late October. So you came right in, in the first four weeks, you had Thanksgiving staring at you and then Christmas and the the normal litany of, of objections during that time of year is a little different. The, the phrase that pops out of people's mouth is, oh, just call me after the first of the year, right? So when you started, so you started at the end of October, a month later had a baby, but yet- Yet made it through the holidays. What are some things that you like, language maybe that you use to overcome the holiday objections, or how did you think about the holiday objections?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a big topic. So I'm going to, I think there's a couple areas in there. So I, I guess the first to paint the picture, yeah, started the end of October. We were due November 18th, but my wife went all the way to two weeks late trying to have a natural birth. So I was genuinely in no man's land. I'm like dialing on the due date, like haven't come yet. So I'm trying to trying to get meetings next week. So I leaned, I mean, I did exclusively all joint work for at least the first four months, if not longer. So that's important. Just kind of first mm-hmm. things first. After my daughter was born December 1st, when she was five days old, had some crazy medical stuff. She's fine now, praise God. But we spent a week in DC. So we we were out for the count in DC for seven days, spent time at UVA before that. I came back to work and it was like December 16th. Like Literally, it was like Okay, here we go. So I had a couple of open cases with joint work that was kind of doing their thing while I was in the hospital with my fresh baby and wife. And so it was very hard when I don't want to repeat that stage of my life, probably ever again. But just to paint you the pictures, when I now hear reps complain about the holidays, I I have no empathy, as you can imagine, because I went through it. So a couple of thoughts on, on the holiday like season and, and objections you'll get. I think one, just first things first, be normal. Like empathize with people around the holiday and their experience and what the traditional American life is like over the next six weeks. Like one, just be normal. And you know, number two, when I was dialing, if you're dialing people, I'm just very honest. Like, hey C B be totally get it that the next couple of weeks for you are gonna be super busy family travel, that kind of thing. If we're both honest, you probably have more time to chat with me on December 12th than on January 3rd. If we're both honest, work is winding down. The boss is a little less strict. You got office parties and Christmas parties and all the things. You do not want to talk to me on January 3rd. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so so first things first, we got more time now, right? So I you know, I might that might be my in. The second thing I'll you know, if you're trying to just open business and meet with someone for the first time, you just kinda lean on the language of I don't assume you're in the market or wanting to do anything today. I just want to meet you. And honestly, I've found that people are, are their best around the holidays. So you should probably meet, meet the best Christopher Schaefer you can. I'm pretty jolly on December 15th. I'm pretty focused on January 4th. I'll probably try to lose weight again. That won't work, but you know, well, new year, new me. Let's chat now. And they're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. So just being normal and, and knowing that they're going to give you the objection is important. That's for new business. I've got some other thoughts, but a- any questions around that specifically?
1: Do you think that a lot of it is what you think in your mind about that season? Because some people write it off already. oh, it's I hear people say it all the time. Oh, it's December. Oh, it's January. I'm like, some people have their best months in those time mm-hmm. frames. Totally. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and then the other thing is that that was kind of new business. But if you're already, you know, okay, I I start the 1st of November, that sales cycle is kind of going on. It might have been the beginning of December when we're like, actually, you know, doing action and asking for the money and all those things, mm-hmm. again, be normal. But I would just be really, really clear with people. You know, Hey, Heather, some of the stuff that we're doing, that we're implementing, one, you're going to have for the next 30 years, right? So I know it's a new bill. Come Christmas next year, you're still going to be paying for your life insurance, right? Right. Okay. So it's starting new, but it's going to be around for the future. So we might as well get used to it today. The second thing is if it's insurance specifically, Heather, we've got to pay for this in two ways. <laughs> Both with your money and with your health. I don't know about you, but I am the healthiest pre-holidays. Not post holidays. So if I need a nurse to come out and like do your height, weight, blood, and urine, I would love to get it before you start drinking wine at the Christmas parties. Is that fair? And like, yep, that's fair. Can they be here in two days? Absolutely, right? And you know, that's just kind of being normal and being frank. That's someone you already have a relationship with. You've you, onboarded them, mm-hmm. but I'm just very clear with them. Like, this is probably when you're the healthiest. Now's the best time to start. And that's it. Worked out. So here we are.
0: I love this. This is, these are such great nuggets, I think, for coaches, right? Right. And they're getting pushed back from Mm -hmm. their. Yep. So good.
3: Also, like what a great icebreaker at a family party or friends or whatever, friends givings, all that. Like how many times are you, do people ask you, what do you do? How's work? How's life? I mean, you don't have to do a hard sell, but you come across, you know, cool, calm, collected. This is what I'm doing. People are attracted to that. So I think it's a great time to be in front of people instead of being like behind
1: the phones, being actually out front of mind with everybody and not using it as an excuse not to do things. Right. Some Mm -hmm. people just are like, oh, it's the holidays. You know, I'll I'll hit it hard after the first of the year. You know, and then it's just, it just rolls on from there. It's it's all in your mindset.
0: I'm definitely hearing in an abundance mentality. Like, you know, it, it could be scarcity. Like, oh, it's not going to work. But here's all the reasons why it won't work around the holidays versus I'm going to make it work. And here are some ways in which I can do that. Some language I can use, some approaches I can take. It's awesome, Christopher.
2: Yeah, ask my wife. She would say, you know, the, the family mantra is ABP, always be prospecting, right? <laughs> so it's Christmas parties. I'm not selling. No one wants to be sold. But I am prospecting socially and normally, right? Like be normal again, back to that point. But it's a great, it's a great opportunity, and um, if you're excited about what you do and can communicate it succinctly, but be you know interesting, man, I'm I'm always busy in January because I met new people at Christmas parties. So
1: are we going to talk about the investment piece uh-huh. next? I, was, I, I yeah, I was just curious to get Rachel's take on when you encourage people to do their investment. Licensing that take their test because it's one of our top 10 excuses is, oh, I've got to yeah. study for my, you know, and start your favorite <laughs> exam. <laughs> yeah. So
3: this is coming from me as well, because I've taken them and my non, non traditional. I'm using air quotes because obviously people can't see me, but I guess it is maybe a little bit more traditional now than we thought, but I took it while working full time while running a team. And I would not recommend that to anybody just from my own personal experience. It was very stressful. It's a lot of work. So every time I'm coaching someone, I mean, with the cutoffs too, I am telling them the reality of what it's going to be like if you do not get at least the SIE done. I think Mm -hmm. maybe the 6 and 63 could be a little bit more manageable with a full calendar, but it depends. It's very situational because it's just like situational coaching, you know, you It's very dependent on everybody's situation, but I encourage at least to knock out one or two of the exams if possible prior to getting started. It's hard to keep a full calendar and to be studying and live your life as well. If we're recruiting career changers, not people directly out of college, they have a lot of other stuff going on too, whether it's other commitments, family, children, Whatever the case may be, I, I cannot imagine being at the place that I am in my life today and having to keep a full calendar, be a spouse and a mom, and have to study for those investment licenses while starting a
0: completely new career. <laughs> I think it's important to note, though, that you did do it. You're just saying it's not ideal. Like That yes. is part mm-hmm. of the reasons why cutoffs are important and having enough time before they go full-time is if you can get it done before and get it out of the way, that would be obviously ideal.
3: You can learn if someone is able to pass the test because Mm -hmm. if you get started and these candidates can't pass a test that's not good for longevity of their business like Mm -hmm. how horrible would that be to have someone get started yes they do life health great but then you know almost a year into the business they're now trying to do their investment licenses because they don't want to get fined and they can't pass them and what about all those clients that they've taken on over the last year i know we have run into that many years ago and it's a very slippery slope
1: christopher when did you get start working on your investment licensing yeah. So I'm
2: very much a do as I say, not as I did, if you will. <laughs> By my 10 month mark, I had SIE 63 and six done, mm. did not make it a priority. I was rowing hard trying to put bread on the table. I mean, if, if you look at my system, I kind of started in January after mm-hmm. all that nonsense, I kind of already explained. So I didn't really care. I, I knew I wasn't missing out on a lot of revenue today, but really the the impact of having those licensings done is the internal monolog mm-hmm. like. You don't have to say I'm a financial rep anymore, which sounds like, what is that? You can say I'm an advisor and that internal boost is so important. So I did not prioritize studying. I failed the SIE twice because I, I just didn't study. I, I mean, I've got a master's degree. I'm a smart guy. I just didn't put time in. I was like, ah, whatever. Got tired of that past the 6 and 63 within a month after the SIE first time each because I was like, I'm done with this. But to Rachel's point, it's very hard to be a dad, a father, have a highly productive first year and study. So I look at my people in training and I go, look, your job is to get out of training for the day and then go home and study for two hours. And it's easier now than I'll ever be. And they don't normally listen, but I challenge them to do it. And then they get two months in and they go, oh my gosh, I wish I had my SIE done already. Um, And I go, yep, duh. So... I have a lot of opinions on that, but internally, the monologue is super important for for the advisor to be able to say, I am a financial advisor. I can do both insurance planning and investment work. You probably won't do it a lot on your own in your first year anyways. It's a lot of work. It's a loss leader day one. There's a lot of compliance headaches and systems to learn. So I still did joint work for months after I was licensed. Because it wasn't worth my time to learn. As I built out my team, I said, "All right, I'm going to start doing solo investments now." Not because I couldn't sell it, just because I couldn't—I couldn't do it. I didn't have the the, the backbone of a team to to get it done. If that makes sense.
1: So the most important thing I think I heard you say was it's not—it doesn't generate revenue immediately. It's more of a confidence builder internally. Because so many people think I'm going to pass my exams and that my whole business is going to turn around, and I can. So just hammer on that for ten more seconds.
2: Yeah. I mean, okay, I'm going to open up a Roth IRA and they're going to max it out, uh, dollar cost averaging, and I will make less than $8 a month off of that funding. Great. You make more off of a $100,000 term life insurance policy. Are you kidding me? But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of complexities. So long-term, AUM grows. That'll be my paycheck in 10 years. My paycheck you know, year two is onboarding new clients. We are in a client building role. Currently, but in the future, everything this family does with me will be with me. Mm-hmm. So long term, it will pay my bills, just not today.
0: You know, Christopher, you had what eighty two lives, was that right? And how many, like one hundred and twenty e- new clients, clients. 82 or eighty two no, new fl- clients, fl- Flip 120- those, flip yep, those. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Clearly it wasn't a huge hindrance to you, right? I mean, but I point that out to say that of all the factors to the fast start that we have talked about, I feel like this one is the squishiest because it is so unique to every individual and the way they come into the business. And in an ideal world, yes, everybody would get it beforehand, but we don't live in an ideal world. And I would say of all of the factors, this is the one that I see the most discrepancy, and maybe not discrepancy, but just variety of ways in which offices handle the licensing. Some are like, yep, get it done beforehand or you don't start. Some are like as long as it's done before the first six months, some are like don't even look at it until you start your first six months. So there's so many different philosophies out there. I do think you know some of it's mindset, and it, it's really just good coaching, good individual coaching, finding out what works for the person that's in front of you at that moment in time, because it, that it's a tough one. It really is. No, no clear or right answer. I've
3: also seen new reps delay calling people on their market identifiers because they are not investment licensed. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, it's a very squishy subject, but that's, that can be a con to the coaching side of it. It's like trying to get them to call their natural market, call these people, but then they're like, well, but I'm not, I don't want to sound like I can just do insurance. Nobody just wants insurance. So it's a, again, slippery slope, push, pull Mm -hmm. depends on the individual.
2: Yeah. And and to that point, I would just say they don't understand how to, how to position joint work well, because I get to steal the swagger and credit credibility of my joint work partner, even if I don't do it. So if you look at me now in some of my joint meetings, our team does exit planning for business owners who are monetizing their life's work um, and selling 25, 30, 35 million dollar businesses. I don't do that, but my team does. And I have an advisor who's niching that. But when I call those people, I have to rob the swagger of that team and say, I can help you. And if you don't take my call, you'll probably never meet this advisor, my joint work partner, internal language, you know? And with that, your warm market doesn't want you to manage their money because they know that I was a formerly trained chef and seminary, you know, person. (laughs) Why would I give Christopher my assets? No, I'm giving Christopher's mentor my assets. And that's a little different with warm market specifically. So that was kind of my understanding and it it clearly worked well. I try to communicate that well to newer people. Like your parents don't trust you with their assets (laughs) because they know you. Bring them someone you don't know and let them be the voice of reason, if you will. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. Well, we are at 40 minutes. I want to give one last opportunity before we wrap up to see Sabina, if you have any other questions, and then if either of you have any other final thoughts on anything that you believe is important in regards to helping advisors get off to
1: a fast start. I feel like we could we could spend another hour and a half Easily. with this dynamic duo. Easily. <laughs> but I, I have asked the ones I wanted to make sure I got done. So Rachel, Christopher, any final
0: thoughts?
3: I would just say ahead, Rachel. we... We gave a lot of insights today, lots of ways you could go with all the advice we we said, good rules of thumb, best practices. But- It all depends on the right person you're bringing in. It depends on their situation. So I want to reiterate that to any coach that's listening or anybody that's listening. Like, you know, these are not the hard and fast rules, but these are things that have helped us. But just be very aware of who you're coaching, who you're talking to, because, you know, if one person can do it, so can someone else. So just keep that in mind when you're coaching.
2: I guess my last two parting thoughts are we didn't talk about like ace coaching in the first six months. That saved my first six months, to be frank. I I got kicked in the butt in January, like, all right, dude, life happened to you for two months. You got four months to hit your first six-month goals. Let's get after it. So you know, my P40 award goes to Barclay Anderson, my, my ace coach, if you will, and he knows that. So that's the first. I think the second to Rachel's point, it all depends. But if you're a coach, helping inspire the people you're coaching to implement quickly. I would argue I'm one of the fastest implementers of advice I hear. And that's why I'm having success, not because I'm the smartest or the brightest or I'm just really good at taking notes and doing the things mentors tell me to do. So, you know, I I hear in our system, you know, person A is really coachable. Person B is not. That's a false understanding. Person B is not uncoachable. They just refuse to listen to advice and being very frank with them and saying that, Rachel, it's not that you're not coachable. You're just not doing the things we're telling you to. And you kind of catch them. But inspiring your people to implement these things quickly—that's the name of the game. Because we got one shot at getting this career off the ground, and you want to, you know, shoot the best shot you can. So,
0: well said. You both are fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. We had fun. Like Sabina said, we could—we'll have you back again because I want to talk more. It's been awesome. So, thank you both, and um, we'll see you back here next time.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather
1: and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app.
0: And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks Thanks again again for listening. listening. Keep Keep learning learning and and growing. growing.